Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Vince Piat. Once again and always we are joined by our co-host Tilly Baden. Tilly my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello everyone. Well Vince, you know how it's been since I last saw you because I only saw you a couple of days ago but... Happy birthday, my friend. You uh, you turned 40 this weekend and we had a really lovely time in Newcastle. So thank you for having me. It was a lovely weekend, but um, I'll let you fill our listeners in on all of our adventures that we got up to this weekend. Well, thank you very much for your birthday wishes. Um, actually, I'm going to say this one because this made my day. Um, I'm doing some training at the moment. I am currently recording remotely from Sheffield, the great South Yorkshire city. I'm down here doing some training called Cubas. Cubas is a uh, specialised parent and assessment tool. So I'm down here for two days and a, a lovely lady called Helen was chatting with me today and I said it was my birthday this past weekend. We we're talking about ages and she says, um, how old were you? I says, how old do you think I am? And guess what she said? This was genuine. Guess how old she thought I was? Um, 35? 32? 32? 32? She Ooh. said, she says, well, I've got two children, the 34 and 32, and I think you're about the age of the younger one. I says, get away. She says, yeah, I do. I says, I'm 40. She didn't believe it. She didn't believe I was 40. I'm, I'm like Benjamin Button. I'm going backwards. <laughs> Let's hope you don't go backwards too far. Don't turn into a baby. Well, bit childlike behaviours I cannot guard against. Oh, and there's plenty well. of them in abandon. You're a big kid at heart, aren't you, really? So, <laughs> But no, we had a wonderful weekend. Thank you ever so much. Um, so, listeners, it was. It was my 30th, 40th, 32nd, I was going to say there. That's what Helen thinks. It was my 40th birthday this past weekend on Saturday. So I, uh, I put on a weekend of activities and... Um, on the Friday, our, our our editor, our boss here at Social Work News and yourself, Tilly, and our guest columnist, well, you know, I've got a guest columnist, she's a regular columnist, our regular columnist, Millie, came up and uh, we had a day of activity. I took, it took you to a, a local pub for a nice Sunday afternoon lunch and then I took you to uh, the pub that I own. Well, I've got shares in, a community pub that I have uh, shares in where we had some locally produced bitter. And then after that, we uh, went back and had an afternoon of entertainment at uh, my place. And then we went out for the night. I took you to uh, I took you to a cocktail bar in an underground toilet. Yes, listeners, you heard that right. You will be aware of um, public toilets in uh, city centres where underground, well, in the centre of Newcastle, where I hail from, there is a cocktail bar which has been made out of a converted underground toilet. Then after that, we. Uh, we went to uh, went to a karaoke bar, did we not tell you? And we regaled one another through the power of song. We did, and I have to say, I was very impressed with your rapping. You did a good job on that. That was um, you really came out your shell, and it was quite funny because you weren't drinking, but obviously I don't drink. I'm a teetotal. You don't drink? No, me, Nick. That's and, why I look um, thirty-two. Were... That's why I look thirty-two. Well... <laughs> I lack of alcohol. Me, me, Nick, and Millie got rather rather tipsy shall we say but we had a great time it was, it was we went back time. to mine we uh put the fire on and, and saw my birthday in and whilst listening to songs from 1983 such as total eclipse of the heart by bonnie tyler and the song which was uh number one on my day of my birth karma comedian by culture club and the saturday we had a bit of a party you know my uh my children were round and uh, my mother 
and the stepfather and we had a bit of a gathering and then uh, we went and hit the town we went out to where the arcade bar we met uh, you met my two best friends jason and captain dan and then uh, we went for dinner and then we went out and uh, played crazy golf and uh, oh just remind me tilly who oh, won crazy golf no. who won <laughs> Oh, we're never going to hear the end of this list. Well, our listeners hear it for the first this... time. Well, listeners it. our listeners. What? What score? Who? Who? Who won Crazy Golf? Vince won Crazy Golf, and, and... he did an excellent job yes. according to the people that were running it. So, when we were leaving, yes, I told. I, I, when, I just, uh, when we were leaving, I told the uh, the young lady behind the counter. I said, "I'm a happy man because it's my birthday." And I won. She said, "What score did I get?" I said, "47." And what did she say? That is an excellent, excellent score. So, I'm a I'm a crazy golf lad now. I'm a 32 year old looking bearded golf lad. That's my new thing. I'm quite surprised you haven't gone out and bought a set of golf clubs or something and so already booked on. Haven't so you? Or have they are they Not yet. still to arrive? Not yet. Not yet, yet no. but well, look, I've got I've got the putting. I've got the putting down to a tee because I'm excellent at crazy golf. Uh, you know, must be a natural. I think that could be my thing. I think that's it. I might be a golf man now. A golfman. Vince Golfman. <laughs> there are worse things in life. So um if that becomes your hobby, then I will support you. Well, listeners, there we go. There we have it. Uh, we've regaled you enough with tales of my birthday you weekend. You missed out Sunday. You missed oh, out yeah. Sunday. How could I? Of course, on Sunday. Almost the best bit. Almost. Uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, I uh, I only had you and Millie left in my home. So on Sunday, I, I took you up to Annick and I took you to Barter Books, which in my opinion is the best bookshop in the world. What did you think of it? What would your review of Barter Books in Annick be? Oh, I agree. It was my favourite bookshop I've ever been in. It was amazing. And um, we bought each other some books and stuffed our suitcases back. I'm, ah. I'm quite surprised we managed to get the, the suitcases so closed uh, with the amount of books that we bought. But it was really good, really good um, day, whole day. Whole and then day. I took you to Annick Castle. And what was filmed at Annick Castle? Harry Potter, obviously. Mm-hmm. Me and Millie got to join in a broomstick lesson, which I was quite disappointed that you sat out of. I thought that was a little bit mean. I was in my element. I had a great time just pretending that we were flying around Annick Castle on broomsticks like we were in the Quidditch World Cup or something. There we go. And and we followed the itinerary to the T. Listeners, you will know that I'm a thorough man, so I set out a very clear itinerary for my birthday weekend, and it went off with a plum did it not it did it did we um we even went to bed around the same time that you wanted us to go to bed at so because yeah. uh, as listeners may know vince is not a late night owl he likes to go to bed early i like but, to be in bed by I mean, 9 p.m that's it so you question these things well you know you don't drink you uh you eat boot steak uh you, you have pocket oh actually you saw me take a pocket steak home as well did you not tilly right did. You saw a pocket stick in person. <laughs> yes, I don't think that's anything to be proud of, Vince. I really I just, don't. I just think it wasn't a lie. Sometimes I think I say unusual, quirky things on this podcast, and you think that I'm making it up. I'm not. That's how I live my life. I know. Well, I know you're not making it up because I know you really are that quirky. But our listeners might think <clears> you are. Um, but no, listeners, he's really not. He he does do the things that he says he does. Um, he is really that weird. 
but we love you. Uh, for hang on, it. weird. No. no, we're using the word quirky. Weird, weird implies bad. Quirky is just a little bit different. Let's. No, we, I'm not um, weird. I'm quirky. Okay, eccentric. Yeah, get okay. even better. Yes, I'm eccentric. Even better because eccentrics. Yeah, that's better. Well, listeners, enough about me. Oh, let's move on. Um, this week, guys, we are going to be talking about using social work skills to improve your relationships. Now, we're not just talking about romantic relationships here. We're talking about family, friends, and romantic relationships. Essentially, how applying social work skills, theories, practices, and frameworks can help you in your everyday life. This comes off the back of a couple of articles we've run over the past week over at mysocialworknews.com. One was by Millie Glass, who we were talking about earlier. We were talking about her riding a broom this weekend. And last weekend, she was using a quill. And she was writing an article with the title, Loving a Social Worker Can Be Difficult, but Can Also Be Utterly Enriching. If you want to read that article, guys, head over to mysocialworknews.com and just search for Millie Glass. You will see all of her articles, and they are all superb. So do check those out if you haven't already. And our article basically says that um, being loved by a social worker can be difficult, but it can be utterly enriching because one thing we know how to do is to care unconditionally. And it's a really, really poetic and beautifully written um, poem, I would say, poem to loving a social worker. So we followed that up. Uh, I took some inspiration from that and followed that up with an article that I wrote for the website called Six Social Work Skills You Should Be Using to Improve Your Relationships. So tell you, my friend, are you ready to go over these six skills one by one? And if you could, would you be able to offer me your take and any relevant examples you've got where you have used these yourselves? How does that sound for this week's show? I think that sounds like a good, light-hearted episode. So, yep, I'm up for this. Let's do this, my friend. So the number one skill, which I think is very, very important to using your relationships from a social work perspective, is active listening. So active listening is one of our key social work traits. It involves full attention, understanding, responding, using techniques such as mirroring. So if somebody says something, you can reflect back to them and say, oh, so what you're saying is, or other phrases which can be useful is, so what I'm hearing, or from your perspective, that sounds like, and then follow it up with your own paraphrasing of what you have been told. Active listening can also involve nodding, um, positive and active body positions, you know, good body language, gently maybe touching someone on the leg, patting them on the arm, appropriate touch, and essentially just letting that person know through eye contact, through words, through reassurance, through body language, and through mirroring back their own words that you truly and honestly are hearing everything they say. Is that something you do anyway, Tilly? I mean, you, you're, you're an active listener anyway, I imagine. Is that, uh, you know, is that a conscious effort for you or is that just who you are or do you find yourself having to kind of write, I'm going to get into active listening mode? How does that work for you? Yeah, so I try because um, I'm naturally a bit of a daydreamer and I can find myself going off on a tangent in my brain if I mm. don't actively listen. So if I need to show that I'm engaged and wanting to genuinely hear what that person is saying, 
I need to practice active listening. Otherwise, I'm going to be thinking about all sorts of weird and wonderful things that go on in my brain. Um, it's like having a million different tabs open at the same time. And there's some music playing in the background. There's some debating about the origins of the universe going on and deciding what I'm going to have for dinner. There's all sorts that go on in my brain. So if I need to, to listen to someone and want to give them my full attention, I need to make sure that I, I do that active listening. And it, it works. And it's important to build a rapport with someone. It's one of those fundamental social work skills. Do you find yourself, when you switch into that mode, what do you do? So if you say, right, I have to pay full attention here. I'm really going to get into this. What helps you do that? What, what do you like switch on? Do you think, right, I'm going to be engaged? How do you go from, you know, daydream as you've put to active listening? What's the secret to sort of switch on your game face? I think it's just making a conscious decision to listen. Um, yeah. And oh, one of the biggest things is putting your phone down. Yeah, and I know yeah, the technology yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> can slip. I, I mean, it's... Oh, it's like if you're going out to dinner with a friend or something and then they're constantly on their phone, which I know I am guilty of sometimes too. Um, but yeah, just putting things down, putting everything else away and just looking at that person and really engaging with them. Um, and I find that's that's easier in a setting where you're not doing other things as well, because I know in social work, we often think about the power of the car journey and talking whilst you're in the car mm. with someone. But I find that quite, especially if I'm the driver, I find it quite hard to actively listen when I'm driving because I'm concentrating on driving as well. And it doesn't, you, your, your attention is kind of pulled in different directions. Yes. So if you need to do an active listening session, you need to have no distractions um, and shut everything else out. And how do you find that works in your personal life and in relationships in terms of friends you know how do you find using that helps well it just shows that you care doesn't it if someone's not listening to you and, and we can tell when people aren't listening to you like mm. I can tell when you're scrolling through the internet whilst we're doing the podcast <laughs> looking up embarrassing sexually transmitted <laughs> diseases Vince. okay I can okay, just right, tell right, calm down <laughs> calm down uh, oh well anyway um, yeah, you just know, don't you? It's part of uh, of human interactions. So when you have got someone that's really listening to you, it makes you feel valued, and that's really important. I I was sometimes very very guilty of in conversations waiting for my position to talk rather than listening. Have you ever felt like that at times before? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I. I often prefer to listen in conversations. I'm more naturally a listener than a talker. And I suppose that's because I'm more introverted than extroverted. Mm. Um, so I, I don't find it as hard, but I, I do know what you mean, waiting for, for your turn. And that's, and that's something I had to work on. And when I worked on that and when I realised that, um, that really made a massive difference for me. Um, let's talk about the second skill then. The second skill which can from social work which can really help your relationships is empathy. This is an obvious one, you know, rather than uh, rather than simply um, thinking of our friends or family or, uh, you know, loved ones, partners, rather than thinking of these people in the context of what they're doing to annoy you, if you think about this in romantic relationships, that kind of offering empathy. And, and I think as social workers, maybe this is just me, 
But as social workers, I, I think that sometimes we can be spent by giving so much empathy in the course of our work that we end up with compassion fatigue and we can sometimes be exhausted that much by work that we struggle to show that to our loved ones. Have you ever felt that way, that you've been so exhausted by work that you've ended up taking it out on the ones you love the most? All the time. All the time. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank God. It makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I promise you it's not just you. I, and I think, I've, well, I've spoken to a lot of social workers that, that raise that as the same issue. Um, it's just part and parcel of social work, isn't it? We are exposed to such trauma and crises and such desperate human situations that it can be really hard not to dismiss our loved ones issues as trivial Mm. um and sometimes for our own selves as well um i find myself saying uh, thinking to myself sometimes oh well why do you even care about that think about this person that you've just visited this week get over yourself and that's not being kind to yourself either. No. Um, and I'm I'm guilty of doing that with, with my loved ones too. Um, it's something that you have to actively work on and try and separate out your social worker self from your personal self, which is really difficult because it's part of who we are. But we can't compare tragedies or issues. Everyone experiences them differently. And it's important that we give that unconditional positive regard to our loved ones as much as we would our clients but that is easier said than done and um i'm open to any tips about that vince because i i do really struggle with that sometimes well my only tip would be just accept and keep working on it that would be my only tip you've just you've as long as you i'm a great believer as long as you recognize the problem you're halfway there and if you forgive yourself and recognize the problem too you're three quarters of the way there. The last bit is mm-hmm. just putting the effort. If you recognize, and, and even if you tell the other person, I think that's the key. If you, you, can, if you can say to somebody, look, um, and I, I read this good tip the other day, actually, a very good tip. It's a lot of problems in relationships happen during transition periods. Why do you think so many couples argue when they're trying to get the kids ready to go out for the day? Why do you think so many couples argue just before bed? Why do you think so many couples argue whilst one person is trying to get ready for a night out and hold the other person up? Why do you think so many couples argue at the airport at the end of holidays? Or in this sense, so many couples argue when one is just getting back from work. It's transition points. We do not give ourselves the opportunity to quiet down. And I haven't tried this myself yet, but it, I'm, I'm certainly going to try and, and do it because it sounds really good. When you come back from work, allow your partner, whoever's in the home, when their partner comes back from work, allow the returning partner 20 to 30 minutes just to be themselves, just to decompress. Obviously, speak to them. Don't just say, right, I'm not going to talk to you. Don't get the, the clock going for 20 minutes. Just give them a time before you say anything that could be demanding or upsetting or potentially triggering. Just give them time to come back, take the shoes off, make themselves something to drink, sit down and just decompress from the day. And I think that in a situation like we're talking about can really, really help with that compassion fatigue and show empathy and allow them to decompress and to get back into the rhythm and rhyme of harmonious life after they've just spent all day at the cold face facing the horrors of society as we do in our line of work. 
That's a really good tip, actually. And um, I'd echo that for the first thing in the morning as well. Yes. Like, don't yeah. talk to me until I've had my coffee. You're <laughs> not going to get a coherent response. Yeah. Honestly, I am not a morning person and I really struggle to wake up and get started with my day. Um, even if I've had a sufficient night's sleep, I still find it difficult. So if someone's talking to me as soon as I've woken up, I'm just going to get cross. Um, so knowing your partner well or your, your loved ones well can really help in that situation. Just give them that time. And I am the same the other way because I'm a lark, not an owl. So you'll have noticed, I mean, you've spent enough time around me now where we've been away and you've seen how I get sleepy and switch off by about, from about nine o'clock onwards, I just start to absolutely sundown. I really do, you know. So I, I can really struggle if anybody like gives me something difficult or stressful or has like a difficult conversation with me after about 8pm on an evening it can really mess up my sleep because I'm not I'm not robust enough to leave it, but I'm not switched on enough to handle it. So I get caught between the two. I have this like, I have the hassle of the problem knocking around my head or even like a difficult conversation, but I don't have the capacity to deal with it. So whereas in the morning, you know what I'm like, I'm up straight thing, bang, I'm awake, I'm a lark. So it, like you say, it's knowing your partner well. Um, let's have a look at the next one, the third skill, which uh, you can really help in, in your personal lives, taking it from social work, is boundaries. Just as you hopefully wouldn't let a client call you at 2 a.m. in the morning, and you hopefully wouldn't let you let your boss demand that you go and work on Christmas Day, and that you would encourage your clients to set boundaries. Um, it is really, really important that you set boundaries in your relationship too. Now, this means essentially establishing, again, with your partner, friends, family, whoever you've got that relationship with on a personal level, it means telling them that, you know, love just isn't endless sacrifice. It's not always surrendering your personal space. You need time alone every now and again, and you need the ability to do things like we were saying earlier, just, just then to, to say to your partner or your, or your, or your parent or your, your family member or your, your friend to say, look, this isn't a good time for me now. Can you give me a bit of space? Can we speak about this later in the day? Or maybe even bring those things up in advance and say, look, if you have got anything difficult to talk about, or if we do want to bring this up, can you give me a bit of space first and do it in this way, not after I've come home from work? Or even boundaries in relation to what you expect and so on, how you want to be treated. We use those a lot in social work, and we certainly encourage our clients to set them. But Sometimes I think in relationships, whether we love someone as a friend or a family member or we love someone romantically, we can sometimes worry, can we not, Tilly, that putting up boundaries may be seen as a sign of us rejecting love? Yeah, it can be, but it is so important. We've yeah. got to have those expectations. It's, it's one of the foundations of, of communication. Yes. And if you're not communicating what you want and what you need, then People, we like to think sometimes that people can read our minds, but often some people can be really, really far from that. Um, and you can be on a completely different page to someone else. So just having that honest communication with someone and setting those boundaries and that, that creating that safe space is going to save a lot of arguments and heartache in the future. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think boundaries are very, very important. And you can set them but in a, in a fair way, and I think you can set them collaboratively. You can say to someone, well, okay, let's collaborate on this one. Let's do this collaboratively. This is my boundaries. What are yours? What do you expect from a relationship? What do you expect for yourself? And having that time apart is very, very important, um, whether that's time apart just to 
sit and read a book and have a bit of a chill, maybe to go shopping by yourself or time apart to go out and see your family and your friends and do your own thing. If you're in a romantic relationship, I think having that time apart and having those boundaries is really, really important. It's not pushing the other person away. In fact, having those boundaries helps you grow closer to that person. Just as you need your own boundaries, they need them too. Setting those together can be very, very important and certainly can really help strengthen the relationship. Talking Just about like strength. we did, Vince, when we um, had co-host boundaries around role play. And I said to you, you can't do it more than once a month because I can't cope with it. And did I stick to that? You did. And actually, you've gone. We haven't. Oh, God, I shouldn't remind you, really, should I? But we haven't had role play for a fairly long time now. I'm out of my mm. word. I, look, look, yeah. Dilly, I quite often do get it wrong the first time, but I rarely get it wrong twice. That's good. You're learning. I love it. Perfect. But uh, well, yes, that's the point. That's the point. The whole point is a deal then. Yes, <laughs> correct. Don't, don't say that to me as people, if like... Lots of people really struggle with that um, and make the same mistakes again and again and again. So no, it's positive that you have. So I thank you for that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, talking about strength, our next skill from social work to use in your personal life is strengths-based perspective. Now, again, we, we do this all the time in work. All the time in work, we purposely look for signs of safety. We look for strengths-based you know, strength perspectives with our clients. And we, we always try and see people as not just problems, not just the risk that's coming on the referral, but people. But... But this is the big thing. Sometimes with our partners and friends and family, we can forget to see the person behind the problem. And it's really, really messed up because that's what we've trained to do and that's what we do in the social work. But sometimes when our friends and loved ones and family members do things that we don't agree with, we wash out the millions of good things they've done and focus on the one tiny, minor, little annoying thing that will not matter in a week's time. Why do we do that? Oh, I don't know, but we're ah. just drawn to the negative, aren't we? Yeah, I think that's part, of the human, that's part of the human condition. We mm. love a bit of drama and people kind of are drawn to arguments as well. I know I can be. Um, it's, it's hard and we do dwell on the negative and especially as we use up a lot of our positivity in social work. It's, it's the same as what we just talked about um, with the empathy and the active listening, we're, we're, we're using that up all the time at work. So then identifying strengths in our own lives can be really, really tough. Mm. It can be difficult, can't it? But again, it's if you don't do that, it can be very, very damaging because if you keep doing that with someone, you end up pushing them away because they'll think, well, hang on, look at all the good things I've done. Look at all the love that I've shown you. Look at all the good things which are a lot harder to do. It's a lot harder to make the conscious effort to do good things than it is to occasionally slip and do bad things or to say the wrong thing or say something inappropriately. Because generally speaking, good deeds take effort. Bad deeds don't that much, generally speaking. And I think we need to get better. All of us need to get better at focusing on the positives and i know when i do that in my life my life is just so much better indeed i can be faced with exactly the same things but if i'm in a positive frame of mind and i focus on the strength and the good just makes me sail through life whereas i focus on the bad thing oh everything's everything i'm throwing the baby out of the bathwater. it's important isn't it to do that to focus on the good it is 
yeah, it's self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Happy people are happier and sad people are sadder. And you just, you've got to see the good things and be grateful for those good things. And then yeah. you'll be in a much better mindset. No, it really, it really is. It really is very, very important indeed. Our sixth skill to use is solution-focused therapy. Oh, I get something used all the time in social work. You know, let's find solutions in the present and look forward to the future, okay? Let's, uh, let's see, how can we address this? These are the risks, so let's move forward. Let's make a plan. Well, let's get our social work cycle out. Let's assess, let's intervene, let's review, and let's keep doing that, but let's look for solutions to your problems. Um... Why do we do this? You know, why don't we, you know, instead of dwelling on the fact that our partner still doesn't know how to communicate with us, um, why don't we try and get a solution to that and say, right, well, you don't get me and I don't get you. Let's sit down and have a get to know me date night. Um, it takes maturity in the relationship to do that. And it certainly, it takes a lot to do that to your parents if you're talking about that relationship. But wouldn't it be so much simpler if we could just sit down and be honest with each other and say, right, this is how I work. This is how you work. How can we work together? Let's have a solution for this one. Yeah, I mean, we should, but it always takes the fun out of it, doesn't it? We, it takes the uh, the drama and the spark out of something. But no, it is, it is what we should be aspiring to. Um, except, though, sometimes people don't want solutions to a problem. And that's when you've also got to know the difference between do they want a listening ear or do they want that tough love um we've spoken about this many times Vince haven't we because you're a you're a practical man you're an advice giver and sometimes you just want someone to listen so I know I wouldn't come to you if that was the, the thing if I wanted practical advice about my car or um needing to sort out my accountancy then I would come to you but if mm. I was there just wanting to rant about someone probably wouldn't come to you because I'd get loads of unhelpful solutions that I don't want because I know the answers. <laughs> and is this, is this potentially where the traditional male brains and traditional female brains can very much differ? Because look, I know that evolutionary psychology isn't agreed by a lot of people. And I know that, you know, I, I've certainly read a lot of it either side and I'll be blunt. I'm not really sure which way it goes because I've read compelling arguments either way. But if we look at evolutionary psychology and the, and the traditional, and I say this quite clearly, the traditional differences between, you know, the male identifying brain and the female identifying brain, Traditionally speaking, males will want to think of problems and how to solve those problems and try and create solutions. Whereas female brains, as you've said yourself there, Tilly, can potentially just be happy to talk through those problems. So could this be a different in terms of how you are wired in this one, in terms of how you're able to, um, how you're able to kind of address that properly? Yeah, I think so. Um, although, as we've said, that there are many gender differences and it could, it's, I think there are just more like two types of brains. Some people are more problem focused, mm. some people are more feeling focused. Um, I'm not really sure about where it, it falls on the gender debate. I, I don't really know enough about it, if I'm honest. But um, I think there are definitely those two different kinds of people. Yes. Some people that like to talk things through and some people like to, to feel their way through. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. 
And let's have a look at the last one then, self-care. I ended on this one because this is really, really important. And we, we preach it all the time on the podcast. We preach it all the time on the pages of My Social Work News. The critical importance of self-care, not pouring from an empty cup, putting on your oxygen mask before you help others and making sure that we take time out. Because again, we're great at doing this in a professional sense. Oh yeah, take some time off. You know, we talk about this all the time and then the pages of mysocialworknews.com and we certainly tell our clients to do this. You know, you must take time out for yourself. But we don't really talk about this in the context of how that benefits our partners. We talk about how self-care benefits us. We talk about how self-care benefits our careers. We talk about how it benefits our clients and our employers. But we don't really talk about how it benefits our loved ones because a refreshed you and a happy you is a better partner, a better listener, a better lover, a better friend, a better son, a better daughter, a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother. A happier you is a better you everywhere. So it's important that we take that into our personal lives as well, is it not, Tilly? Of course it is. Um, we it, it can be exhausting managing any sort of relationship. And if you're feeling tired and drained, whether that's physically tired or, or just mentally exhausted, especially in a job like social work that is mm. so all-encompassing, you have to take that time out for yourself. Um, and in relationships, you have to take time for yourself as well. Um, you can't always be doing the same things as your partner because you're, you're two individuals coming together and then hopefully having a, a loving, happy time together. But you still... You never must forget that own, your own identity within that. You all have different likes, exactly. dislikes, wants and needs. Exactly. Yeah. And this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, boundaries. You know, have those boundaries, but also, you know, have some self-care as well. Um, so there's the six uh, the six topics. Do you think if you could instill every single one of them into your relationships, do you think the world would be a better place for you, my friend? I think it would be. I think it's something that we constantly, constantly work on, but you never quite get there, do you? Because that's what part of self-improvement is all about. We're, we're never the finished article. We're there just trying to do our best and learning as we go. But as long as you try, that's the matter. As long as you try, that's what matters. Um, let's touch up on this before we wrap up today then. How has using social work skills improved your relationships both romantic and personal I find this really difficult to answer as I've alluded to on the podcast before because I've been a social worker throughout my adult life I don't really have anything to compare this to um, but certainly putting the values and ethics and skills of social work into your own life is going to be beneficial Having good communication with people, building rapport and connection, that is only going to be positive. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd like to think that I do. I probably don't all the time. Sometimes I probably go the other way and feel like I'm fed up with, with doing those things because I've done it all day at, my, at work. So why should I be doing it in my personal life? But the only people I'm hurting is my, myself and my loved ones when I do that. So it is something that I'm constantly working on and trying to get better at. Yeah, I I obviously came into social work a bit older than you. I was in my late twenties, and by that point, I mean, you know, 
uh, our good friend Millie was telling me the other day that um, men mature, men are fully mature by the time they're 43. I was like, oh, I've got a bit of growth left, left to go. Yes, that's good to see. Um, so like you, it's like how much was social work and how much was natural growth, progression and maturity in terms of how well you manage your relationship with others. But what I would say is not only have social work skills helped improve my ability to manage relationships, but the experience of being a social worker, the lessons that I've learned from the clients, the lessons that I've learned from colleagues and the things that you've seen, they certainly made me a lot more grateful for my own relationships. When I've seen the horrors of the world and just the difficulties that some people face, um, having an argument over the fact that um, you've said something you shouldn't or you haven't done something or you haven't put the bins out at the right time, it, it can help to diminish those. And I think you have to be careful. You have to be careful at times because if your partner isn't a social worker or doesn't work in a field similar to you, maybe in health and social care, you can risk trivializing their concerns because they don't have the same frame of context to you. So I think that's important, Tilly, isn't it? To You have to be wary that not everybody will have the same lens of trauma that you will as a social worker. Is that fair to say? very fair yeah we all come at different thresholds don't yes. we some things can really bother some people and and not even acknowledge on a radar of someone else so yeah you have to be really exactly. careful of that and that's your empathy if we come back to the six skills that's using your empathy to understand well actually is this is this someone who will get it if i say it in that context or is this person's frame of context for their world well they haven't really experienced much trauma so what may be a mild trauma on your scale may be a massive one on theirs because they don't have the same frame of context but in general utilizing social work skills is very beneficial for me and the experience of being a social worker and the learning and knowledge and growth that has given me is incredibly important too i am a better father i'm a better son i'm a better, a better friend i'm a better partner for being a social worker genuinely i genuinely am and for that i am incredibly grateful for what the profession's given me what lovely notes went on well we've got one more question actually so let's try and oh. beat that oh, oh well and the okay. last one i just just i just <laughs> want to put this in at the end i do want to put this in at the end because it is important it is important to say this at the end as a bit of a disclaimer is there a danger of social work in our friends family and lovers and of potentially looking too deeply into the minor inconvenience and trivial arguments of everyday life because we potentially overanalyze people via our use of social work theories and through our professional lens. I think there could be a risk, but um, at the same time, social work models and theories and looking at it from a social work perspective is only going to increase your understanding and help to analyze within well an empirically evidenced evidence-based re frame of reference so not really no i think it, it i think it gives us more perspective i don't think there's too much of a danger there i'm sure there is for, and and everyone's different and some people might struggle with that more but for me, I feel that social work only really brings positives into my relationships. Um, I don't think it makes me look at the world too differently. What you've said there would be my concern that some people might. And I think that's the danger. I think if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're both okay with that, you're both okay with saying, oh, well, you know, have you considered that you might be acting like this in this way and potentially dropping in a bit of psychology? 
if the other person's okay with that and they consent and they understand those terms and it's on an equal footing, that's the key here. If that power balance is equal, I think that's absolutely fine, more than fine. I think that could be incredibly healthy because ultimately you're helping someone to grow. And if they become a better person, that benefits you, it benefits them, it benefits the world. I think the risk can be in this one that if you're doing that to your partner and they either don't want it done to them or they don't understand the concepts you're talking about, that for me, you do have a danger there of social work and professionalizing your relationships. And more than that, I think you could end up making your loved one feeling maybe belittled. I'm not sure that's certainly mm. not the intention. I don't think that would be the intention. But if I was to go up and say, speak to my brother, and I was go, well, John, the reason you're doing this is X, Y, and Z, then I think that's a bit of a risk. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to become that that counsellor, do you? That, exactly. And that, that brings a power imbalance as well mm. to the relationship. They've got to be able to do it back to you, um, even yes. if they're not using social work terms and don't fully understand the models and theories that we do. They've still got to be able to give as good as they get back and call exactly. you out on your stuff. It, it needs to be both ways. And it's hard because, look, th those things come from a place of love. Those things definitely... The, the, I would never criticize anybody if they were coming at me with 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 a genuine desire to improve my life. I, I never would. Yeah, fair enough. The little boy in you might kick back at that at times and might say, oh, why are you doing that? I'm scared. I don't want to explore those things. But if you can grow, it's a sign of emotional maturity to accept that and to know that. And I certainly, you know, I've certainly grown to develop that through support that I've had. And, ah, well, I get that now and I get where it's coming from. So I don't think it would, it would is relevant to me these days. It would have been in the past, but it's not relevant to me now. But I do think that is relevant to other people in the sense that you have to be careful if you're a social worker, if you're trained in any sort of therapy or any sort of health and social care of trying to fix your loved one when it potentially isn't wanted and they aren't ready and they don't want fixing because that that can lead to a strange power balance in a relationship indeed can it not of course yeah don't rescue someone that doesn't want to be rescued bingo we will end on that note um well listeners thank you ever so much for joining us on this uh, exploration of how you can apply social work skills to your relationships and when they might not always be wanted. Until next week, you can head over to mysocialworknews.com. Check out the articles we've been discussing today. You can follow myself and Tilly on Instagram or Twitter. Or you can follow our channels at Social Work News over on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Do consider leaving a review wherever you get this podcast platform. If you do, we will read out your review next week. And until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.